Welcome to the Guys From Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith. Continuing on our top ten lists from, insert decade here, we're keeping up with our promise to Tony and doing our top ten movies from the 70s this week. Woo! Yeah. Uh... Anyone who knows anything about me or has listened to any of the podcasts, there's a spoiler in all of them to my number one. It's going to be fairly obvious. And for that, you know, reason, I'll be going first today. Yeah. That way there's a surprise at the end rather than me just being like, and it's this movie. Yeah. A surprise-ish. I think I've talked about mine too, but not Not nearly to the the extent extent as you've talked about yours. (laughs) No. This one doesn't come up as nearly as often as yours does because well we talk horror movies yeah. and it's on there. Oh, we talk, we're like starting to tip our hand a little bit. <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah. In our eventual top 100 movies of all time, it will be number one number on one. there as well. So yeah. the, the 70s is an amazing decade for film. Yeah, the, I feel like sorry, just kind of alluding to that that top 100 movies of all time, which we will eventually get to fall. In the fall. I feel like it's going to be really fun because I think we have two different audiences. We have the audiences that read our stuff, and then we have the audiences that listen to our stuff. And I think there's some crossover. Yeah. But, I, like, a lot of my friends, I think, read what I write but don't necessarily listen to the podcast. Ah. And so it'll be nice. So that way, like, they, it won't be quite as obvious. I mean, we talk about a lot of our top ten movies, and a lot of our fi- yeah. top ten movies will come up in these lists that we're doing. Of course. But it'll be cool for those who don't listen to the podcast to see this. Yeah. So maybe there'll be some surprises in, like, December when your top ten finally come out. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It anyway. Is, it is different than the last time I wrote it, because that was our first ever article on the new website, was my top ten films. Oh, yeah. And it's changed since then. Oh, well, there you go. So... It'll be slightly different, Woo-hoo! except at number one. There you go. <laughs> uh, These are always long. Is yeah. there anything else you want? Like like I said, amazing decade for film. Phenomenal. Might be the hardest list for me to make outside of the era where we're like teenagers and 20s. Because yeah. we see a ton of films during that time. But this was hard. Yeah, this was a really tricky one. Yeah. Like even I found that, like I, I started writing my list and I was just like... Well, I have too many. Do I like this one more? Or do I like this one more? And you don't have to do that as often I as don't. I do. <laughs> but this one, like, I've seen a lot of movies from the 70s, and I love a lot of movies from the 70s. Yep. So, this one was tricky. Okay, so, as per usual, we have two honorable mentions each. Mm-hmm. And by having two, I mean I'm going to pick from this list of films <laughs> that didn't make it into the top ten, but I also love a great deal. As you've already said that you're going to talk about that one. I'm going to start with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay. Great. Starting off with one I haven't seen. Well, we have to keep the tradition alive, Dave, <laughs> which is also spoiling a little bit my next honorable mention. <laughs> at least I know what, in, like, at least in, in decades like this, I know what the movie's about. Yeah, exactly. I, I just haven't seen it yet. One, have you seen any of the Invasion films? Because they've remade it almost every decade. Oh, I'm, I don't think I have. Because the best Invasion is probably this one. Okay. But the 50s is also amazing. The 80s is like a gory 80s schlock sure, fest. yeah. They redid it again in the, maybe not the 90s, but Invasion with Nicole Kidman oh. is another remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay. It's pod people. Sure. Yeah. Aliens show up, they grow plant versions that are copies that have no emotions of people, and then you have to try and deal with that. This one's just got the Goldblum and Donald Sutherland in it, so. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Love those guys. Uh, okay. 
my first honorable mention is Pete's Dragon. Sure. I was looking through my list of like movies from the seventies, and I saw this, and I was like, like I think I ranked it at about a six. But I loved this movie growing up as a kid, right? And so there's more of a nostalgic value to it than anything else. Like, sure. And so, so I saw this, like, dang, I didn't know that was from the seventies. But I loved that movie then, not in the seventies because I wasn't born in the seventies. But I loved it growing up. And I watched it fairly regularly, and it's just like, yeah, I just need to talk about it a little bit. And there's a remake coming out now yeah. with um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Is yeah. that this year or next year? I think it's this year. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I went to look it up on IMDb, and it's like, I lo- went to look at the original, and right. I clicked on the new one, and I was like, oh, right, oh, right, there's a new one coming out. There's something so charming about the animated dragon versus... Now it's a computer animated dragon, of course. but it's modern and whatever. They're they're kind of redoing it, but I mean that's been that came out in seventy seven, so that'll be forty years since it came out, basically. That's a good, and we've talked about this before when it comes to remakes. Yeah. That's a good amount of time because there are people who have kids who this movie is too early for them. Yeah, so this is a story that you can bring back. Exactly. So I, I like it. Um, so yeah, I just figured I should maybe reference that one a little bit. Okay. Yeah. As I don't know what's on your list, and I have to pick one of everything else okay. on this one, I alluded to it before, so I'm just going to say Fiddler on the Roof. I haven't seen it. Because it's Fiddler on the Roof, and Fair. Topol's awesome in it. <laughs> who? Topol. Oh. That's who right. plays Trevia. Right, okay. <laughs> you know, that name we couldn't remember when we needed it. Was it last week or the week before? Week before. Recently. Yeah. It was like that guy from... Fiddler on the Roof. We were talking about the Tonys. Oh, yeah. Because Fiddler was remounted this year. Anyway, Fiddler on the Roof, it's like three hours long, so be prepared for that. Uh, but it's it's awesome. It's it's Fiddler, I mean... Yeah. It's a very you, good 70s musical. You have to rare. expect that it's going to be long. Yeah. So, I get that. Uh, my other honorable mention is Young Frankenstein. Okay. That's my number 10. Oh, well, then we'll just kind of tag team this conversation here. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I mean, this was kind of at the height of Mel Brooks. Yeah. The same year there is another film that is higher on my list. Uh, oh, I don't have it on there. I thought I did. But I think I also figured that it was going to be on your list. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to put this one on here. And that's the beauty is like knowing your list. It's like. I'm not going to talk about that one because I think it'll be on Sean's. Yeah. So this is, again, this is one of those lists where it's like, we may have some some doubles, but for the most part, it's like, if I think that you're going to have this one on there, I'm just not going to talk about it. Fair enough. Um, what can you say about this movie? Like, It's great. It's black and white. Gene Wilder's awesome in it. Uh, the use of the story, the use of Marty Feldman as Igor. <sighs> Marty Feldman is so good in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can never remember who's the name that he keeps saying, and the horses keep. Every time they say the lady's name, the oh, horses keep whinnying. Frau, yeah, Grubner, Grubner, something, Gruber, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, because there's like every time somebody says it, you hear the horses whinny. Yeah, and then there's the one time where Marty Feldman, like he's he basically comes back into the frame and says it to get the horses to whinnying, like breaks the fourth wall and smiles at the camera. It's just he's so perfect. They play with the fourth wall a lot in that one. They really do. They play with. A story that you're incredibly fond of, the whole Frankenstein's monster yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, putting on the Ritz. Oh, my God. Peter Boyle is the monster? He was so good as the he monster. He was so good as the monster. Stage West Calgary just did Young Frankenstein, and I'm disappointed that I missed it. It was just one of those things where I couldn't get to it. It happens. Um, 
I mean, they had a stupidly long run, but sometimes you just can't, you can't avoid missing it. And Blucher. Blucher. No, it was um, a cur, like yeah. a Blucher, but I didn't know what, yeah. Oh, so, Gruber was uh, diehard Hans Gruber. Yeah. yeah. Well, Gruber's a fairly common name. Yeah. But I was I knew it was a, a movie character somewhere. Anyway, yeah, yeah I I love me some Young Frankenstein. Yep, me too. That's why it's my number ten, and why I just barely made it, just barely was out of my top ten. Okay. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't bump that one for Slapshot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I figured it would be on your list. Again, you we kind of know each other well enough to be like Dave's probably going to have this one on there. Probably. I love the movie. Uh, I mean, I'm a big, obviously, I'm a big hockey fan, and yep. I love me some Paul Newman. Yeah. Like, probably one of my top three all-time favorite actors, cool. and, I mean... It's sort of a hockey movie. It is. Kind of. But it's kind of not. Like, there's a lot of hockey that takes place, but it's more about, like, the business of hockey. Yeah. In a weird sort of way, and like... Well, they don't really play hockey. No. And that's always been my... I remember growing up, and there'd be movies about hockey, and my dad would always have a beef with these movies, because it was like, they never really skate. They always... Like, you see these characters, and you see them from the waist up, and they're just kind of like, like, basically pitchforking, and it looks like they're coasting on the ice. It's like, they don't really play hockey, which is... And and they're not really playing... Like, even the, the, the parts where they're actually... Like, you see the game happening... They're not really like that's terrible hockey. It's mostly punching. It's and smacking people into the boards. Yeah. and Then more punching and and then a goal scored and then a goal scored. Yeah. Which and but I mean like the movie there or sorry the soundtrack makes me so so happy. Well, it's all right and his love is gone. We're gonna get it right back where we start. Every time I hear that, that's all I can think about a slap shot. Maxie Nightingale. Yeah. It was on one of the first throwback tracks. Yeah. Plug. Because it is the soundtrack. There's another two songs? Yeah. I think, but they reuse that. All the time. Like, it just happens over and over and over. Like, it's almost part of the parody. Yeah. And there are a few other movies that do that, and I always appreciate it. Yeah. Weirdly enough, being able to bring up Brothers Solomon in a 70s thing. Sure. But they use Man in Motion. Oh, Saint um, Almost Fire. Saint Almost Fire, yeah. Through yeah. the entire thing. There's a song at the opening credits and there's one at the end, but through the whole thing they just do different cover versions of Saint Almost Fire. I love I love movies that can Team do that. America? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when they're like when they slow down the when it's the sad moment, America. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so well done. I love movies that can do that. And every now and then you just get that dun 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 I I was at uh a couple years ago I was at the Flames game for Retro Night. Oh yeah. And I think they were playing the Flyers and I was like, Okay, whatever, I just want to go watch a Flames game. And I think Every time the Flames scored, they played that song. Awesome. And the Flames, I think the Flames won like 6-3 or something, so you heard that Even song better. a lot. Love that movie. So yeah, it's just, it, it, it makes me smile. It's on TV somewhat regularly. I own it. I went as a handsome brother for Halloween one year. Like Nice. Yeah, it's it's a good flick. Yeah. Cool. My number nine, I don't think you've seen yet. Okay. Is The Exorcist. I have seen it. You did see it? I did. Okay. We've talked about it before on the podcast, and you hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, but it was when Sarah and I were still dating, and we were we were watching it, and we she we were chatting, so I didn't really get to... That's not the same. No. So I need to see it again by myself with like the lights off, where I can really be focused, so it yeah. will scare me, but technically I have seen The Exorcist. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, it's The Exorcist. It's one of the best horror movies ever made. It's one of the scariest movies ever made. I heard... Okay, so you know how last week we were talking about the Black Tapes podcast? Yep. The I was driving out to my family cabin yesterday, and I was... Uh, I was listening to another episode, and this one involved an exorcist, oh, an yeah. exorcism, oh. and uh, and and the uh, Regan, Sarah Regan, I think her name is Sarah. Uh, she was talking about how like she, the, the exorcist, scared her, and just how like all I could think about was the exorcist, and it was it was very interesting. And now we're tying this in today, and it's just like, yeah, it's pretty yeah. creepy. It's a great movie. Yeah, like it's it, it's not when I first watched it, like I had no idea what to expect because. You know that, like, the actual exorcism scene. Like, you kind of, like... One of them, yeah. Sure. Like You always see the pea soup scene. Exactly. Like, every, whenever they show stuff about the exorcist, they show the pea soup scene. Mm-hmm. They don't usually show the cross. Yeah. They don't show the bouncing. Mm-hmm. They don't show all of the other crazy floaty stuff. They don't... It's always the, like, spinning head and the pea soup. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, okay. And then you see the rest, it's like, oh. There's, like, the crab walky stuff. There, Yeah. I am being cautious because for people who have never seen it... You, you don't really... want to spoil anything? No. For sure. And this is one that most people should have seen, but it's The Exorcist. Sometimes you just don't get to it until 40 years later. And it's... When you hear stories from behind the scenes on The Exorcist, it sounds like it was a nightmare. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They shot for 14 months, which is probably double what they were supposed to. Oh, my to. God. Uh, the 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 director was kind of crazy ish mm. not to i think he's still alive so not to get all libelous or anything right but uh yeah like to get reactions he'd randomly shoot a gun just to you know to get that sh- you know the shock look sure uh they kept the set at 5 degrees celsius i believe <laughs> it might have been colder yeah good lord so, yeah, when Regan is sitting there in her, like, nightgown, it's five degrees. Man. For 14 months. That sounds miserable. Yeah. Well, it's like the, Alfred Hitchcock used to do that. Like, was it, who's who, who's in the shower in Psycho? Is that Janet, Vivian Lee? Janet Lee? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In order to get the that look of, like, fear on her face, I think he had control of the water, and he switched it from, like, warm to cold immediately, and so that's what, like, gave her that look of shock i'm like that's kind of a dick move that works though but it does work that seems a little saner than the gun shooting <laughs> shooting a gun <laughs> yeah yeah maybe yeah yeah uh that's a great that that was your number nine that's number nine the exorcist that's that's a good number nine my number nine is Patton. okay yeah uh we've talked about it on here before uh it's yeah. it's a it's a marathon movie it sure is you... never watch it with commercials oh man like, that's... You're taking a three-hour movie and making it a four-hour, if you're lucky, marathon. It was, it was AMC, so I believe it was four and a half. Oh. Yeah. You are a better man than I. Oh, my God. But like I've said before, when we talked about it last time, I did chores during the commercials. Sure. So it's just like, okay, great. I'll yeah. do my laundry. I'll clean my kitchen a little bit. Right. It's back. All right. So I got my house cleaned in four and a half hours while watching Pat. Sure. Yeah. But, it, I mean... On top of that, like, it's so iconic. Yeah. It is so iconic. Like, that opening speech where he's in front of the American flag. And, I mean, George George C. Scott was just terrific. In terrific in that movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
Bart the General is basically a ripoff of Patton. Oh, it is. So it's a hundred percent. Yeah, Patton. like yeah. it's just it's a, yeah it's a, it's a tip of the hat to that that movie. Like everything about it, and I I didn't see it until a couple of years ago. But when I saw it, I was like, dang, that's a great movie. Yeah, and it's on Netflix. So every now and then, I'm just, like, if I'm hungover or if I'm just having a, a chill day or something, I'm like, I don't want to do anything. Or it's a cold winter day. I'm like. I'm gonna watch Patton. I'm gonna curl up under a blanket and watch Patton, and it's, it's and then go for a walk and watch the second half of Patton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is something like there are very few movies I can sit through sit through three hours. And I don't think I could do that with Patton. Like it'd be it would have been tough in the theater. That would have been a hard one to watch in the theater. I wonder if it didn't have an intermission. It feels like it might have had an intermission. I feel like in it, it should have. Yeah. 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 There's some movies like I think I've only been to one movie that's had an intermission. But it was, it was nice to have. Like sometimes you just need them. And it's I feel a good like idea. It is, yeah. Especially this day and age, like people people's attention spans are getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, but even then, I know. But even still, like if it's the movie's long enough, like some like especially because I'm going there and I'm drinking a big soda and like sometimes you got to pee and you don't want to miss anything. Yeah, So exactly. it makes sense to have a... And when Lord of the Rings is four and a half hours long because exactly. you wanted to see the director's thing on the big screen, you're Obviously. like, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can we have a intermission right before they get to Helm's Deep, maybe? Did no. They? No. Yeah. They so, sure didn't. So I feel like when you're doing that, when you're when you're watching that, you have to go during the Aragorn uh, Eowyn scenes because it's like, I don't care about this. This is just kind of stuff they flip, they they added in to give Liv Tyler more of a part because that that whole oh Arwen Arwen sorry okay. yeah Arwen yeah no sorry the whole Aragorn uh, Arwen scenes it was pretty minimal in the book and they really fleshed that part out and it was like cool considering what he did with the Hobbit I think I'm fine with what he did with the Arwen sure stuff. absolutely but it was still more than it needed to be so that's when I would have tried to time my bathroom breaks right. Although now I have to consider what would the patent appendices be. Like, now this part from Rommel's side. Like, oh, no. This is already three and a half hours long. I would like to see that from Rommel's side, though. Anyway. Sure there's there's some pretty good films about Rommel. Desert Fox stuff. Yeah. yeah, I should check some out. Anyway, my number nine is Patton. Awesome. Yeah. My number eight is way higher on Dave's list, so we're going to skip it till then. That way I'm not spoiling stuff. Perfect. My number eight is uh, a movie that I actually sh- thought was going to be on Sean's list, but is not. Yeah. So we're going to talk about The Towering Inferno. Yep. Sean was one who introduced me to this movie years ago. Yeah. Like, probably around a decade ago. Close, yeah. yeah. Which is probably another reason why it's weird that it's not on my list, but that's how good this decade is. Exactly. But this movie is just, I mean, it's, it's got a, Paul Newman. Like I said, he's one of my favorite actors. Uh, Steve McQueen. Yeah. Uh, I can't even think. You almost started to list actors that are in the Towering Inferno. That's a fool's errand. <laughs> O.J. Simpson, Faye Dunaway, Robert Vaughn, Robert Wagner, uh, Richard Cunningham. Uh, uh, why can't I remember Fred Astaire? Fred Astaire, Shelley Faye Winters. Dunaway. Do you say Faye, I did Faye, Faye, Faye Dunaway. Dunaway? Yep. Yeah, like it's just it's tremendous. Yeah, well, it's an Irwin Allen film. Let me try that again. It's an Irwin Allen. There film. There you go. Because he also did Poseidon. Oh, okay. Not Poseidon. Poseidon's the remake. He did the, the Poseidon, Poseidon Adventure. Adventure. Yeah. So he was a big disaster film producer in the seventies. Right. 
So, do you want to talk about why they were able to make a movie of this nature? Sure. Do you do you want me to? Yes. Okay. You might as well. I mean, it's on my list, but we can both talk about it. And, like, you're the one who kind of gave me the trivia. So, yeah. I'm handing it over to you. Uh, there were two different films in production at the same time based on very similar books. Books about fires in skyscrapers. Kind of like Dante's Peak and, and Volcano or, yeah. like, Deep Impact and Armageddon. Like... Movies that are being made at the same time about very similar things. At two different studios. Yeah. Well, back in the 70s, when the studios were still, because, especially because, when is Towering Inferno? You have the date written down. Uh, 74. So, late 60s, early 70s, the studio system has collapsed. Like, the old school studio Mm -hmm. where it was contract players and all that. Yeah. And the studios are still trying to figure out how to make everything work. So back in 74, Fox and Paramount were just like, well, we're making the same movie. Why don't we just make one? Which is brilliant because then you have one amazing huge movie as opposed to two where it's like, okay, well, this one's fine and this one's fine. But imagine how good if we combined the awesomeness of Volcano with Dante's Peak into one Volcano movie. You could have Tommy Lee Jones and Pierce Brosnan in the same movie instead of two opposite movies. That, that are only okay. Yeah. That came out four months apart? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. I don't, like, it is remarkable how often this happens. Yeah. How you have one movie and then three months later another movie. It's like somebody pitches it to two different places and like, oh, well, we can't do that, but they're doing that, so we're going to have to do something like that. And, like, it's like a race to see who can put it out first. Yeah. Similar books, similar concepts, similar premises, whatever. Whatever yeah. it is. I mean, how how far apart did Wyatt Earp and Tombstone come up? get released. I don't was think that like it was nine months. Something, something like, like, that? like it was pretty quick, which also means that we should get an amazing or a, like a second farting corpse movie in like eight <laughs> months. <laughs> we haven't talked about Swiss army man on the podcast in a little while. <laughs> that seems like a good time to bring it up. It's out in some places in the U S and keeping my eyes peeled for when it shows up here. Cause we're going to go when it is. I have to see that movie. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I mean, Towering Inferno. You've got this this the the budget to do all these special effects. Yeah. And have this big cast because you have the budget of Fox and Paramount versus only Fox or only Paramount. That so and that's you, the power of Irwin Allen though. Mm-hmm. Like that's Allen to a T sure. is that he was like, I can do this. Right. Trust me. Yeah. And they are both like, you know what? Yeah, he can do this. Go for it. Yeah. And it was, it's a phenomenal movie. And it's like two and a half hours long yeah. of a fire in a skyscraper. Yeah. And it's a lot of firefighting of actual fire. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's remarkable what they're, what they can do. And like, just the, the story is compelling. Yeah. And not to spoil the ending, but there was actually like insurance concerns that they might kill somebody with how they did the ending because they literally do. Yeah. The, again, I don't want to spoil it no. for people who hasn't well, seen it. Well, because it's not one, like... Slapshot a lot of people have seen. Yeah. And it's not one that you really need to worry about spoiling. This one, it's not quite... It's not on as often. It's not no. as readily available. It's it's a trickier movie to track down. So, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything about the ending either. But, yeah, I could see... You watch the behind-the-scenes stuff, and you see them prepping for the ending. Yeah. And it's literally prepping. They're lashing themselves to things. And, like, if something goes wrong, give... Who was it? Allie? Give Allie my pickup truck. Steve McQueen says that to the camera because they're actually like, "This is insane." Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's such a good movie. You would think they do it with a model, but that's nope. not the way Irwin Allen goes. Yep, we're just gonna we're just gonna do it. Yep, it's it. 
you guys, you, you need to check it out. It's it's totally worth totally. This one of those movies. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything and suggest this because people don't really buy movies anymore. But this would be a movie that I would suggest you could probably buy sight unseen and probably enjoy. Yeah, that's how much I like this movie. Well, you're welcome then. Yeah, <laughs> and it didn't make my list. Does <laughs> it? Because the seventies, man. Yeah. Uh, next for me is The Godfather. Oh. Okay. That's higher on my list as well, but, uh... Okay. We can wait and talk my. It's not my number one. We can talk about it now, and I'll just skip it. I don't really care. Is The Godfather Part 2 on there? No. Okay, well, let's just wait then. Okay. Wow. (laughs) So we'll talk more later. Okay. (laughs) What's your seven? Robin Hood. The animated Robin Hood. Okay. Again, it's one of those movies from my childhood that, like, it came out ten years before I was born. Yeah, but that one holds up. It Even now, it holds up. Because it's the Robin Hood story, which I also love, and it's done with animals. Yep. And Sir Hiss and, like, Little John as the, or Prince John as the, um, it is Prince John, right? And Little John? Yeah, yeah. Prince both John in. is the lion. I was just, I was like, Little John's the bear. Yeah, Little yeah. John's. But I was like, is it Prince John? Because it seems weird that there'd be two Johns. But yeah, Prince John is the is the lion, and yep. Little John is the bear, and and Robin Hood is and Maid Marian are foxes, and it's just, it's so good. It is. It just makes me so happy every time I see it. And the narrator, you didn't mention the, the narrator, chicken, which Oodle makes Lally. me sad yeah. because I love the narrator. <laughs> yeah, it's just like they had they had the liberties that traditional Robin Hoods don't have in the sense that like you can't see Robin Hood sucking the ring sucking the jewels off the ring of the king like it's just such absurd things that yeah. that you can only get away with in the cartoon world but like oh it's so so good it makes me so happy every like I own it it's one of the few Disney movies I own on DVD and nice. it's just one of those ones I'm like I can't not I can't not have it on here it's just it's too good to me so um I mean I don't know what else I can tell you about this one it just makes me happy and That's plus, good. oddly enough, and like, Maid Marian as a fox is like, like was one of my first childhood crushes. Yeah, all right. I don't understand it. She's a freaking animal, but I was like, a whatever. A cartoon animal. And a cartoon animal, but I was yeah. like, which probably makes it, I don't know. Anyway, I was just like, I had the biggest crush on Maid Marian, and she's a damn fox. But I've talked to other people like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Because and other girls are like, yeah, I totally had a crush on Robin. And I was like, good. I'm not a weirdo. No. I kind of am, but I'm not a weirdo. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But anyway, so like... If anyone thinks you are, they'll tweet at you. Which means if no one tweets at you, you're not a weirdo. Perfect. Excellent. (laughs) This'll be when you finally get something. Jeez. (laughs) Awesome. We'll figure out a way to make it happen. (laughs) We keep finding different ways, and so far, I'm on perfect, perfect even keel here, so... Yeah. Anyway... So that's my that's my number seven. Cool, and mm-hmm. like it, it was a cheaper production for Disney as well. Like they didn't put as much into it. They reused backgrounds. They reused stuff. Reused animation. Tons. Like, they yeah. reused animal animations. Yeah. Like it, but for whatever reason, it is an amazing Disney film. Didn't we do a top five Disney, top ten Disney films way back in the Lost episodes? I think we did. I think we did, and I'm pretty sure Robin Hood went to number one. Ah. Uh... Ish. Peter Pan might have probably was number one, but Robin Hood would have been very close. Yeah. Because I love that movie, but yeah. If we were to do a collective list like we are doing on the website right now for plug, The plug, Simpsons, plug. top yeah. 100 episodes of all time. Plug, plug, plug. Robin Hood would probably... I would think so. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 
So nope. what, what number am I supposed to do now? Six. Okay. I think you already said you didn't have Blazing Saddles on your I do list. not have blazing, blazing Saddles on my list. Blazing Saddles <laughs> is my number six, which came out the same year as Young Frankenstein, proving that Mel Brooks can do just about anything he wanted to in his golden era. That's insane. How did they come out at the same time? And they're both but, so good. It's like February to December, February, November, something like that. So, so, was, so did he film one movie and like edit it and everything in eight months? It seems close to it, yeah. That's nuts. Either that or else one got shelved for a little while oh, okay. and was meant to come out November the year before, but they pushed it. Or I'm well, not sure well, However it is, worked, but, but that's crazy. Yeah, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. And they're two of his best. Yep. Without question. Blazing Saddles. It's about a black sheriff going to a small town and having to fight off bandits. Yeah. Kinda. Gene Wilder yep. is phenomenal. As a gunslinger. Yeah. Like, but it's like a... Is he an alcoholic? Yeah. And he's lost his... Like, he's kind of lost really his... Really shaky. Yeah. Yeah. I shoot with this hand. Just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, so fun. And, like... I probably do like it better than Young Frankenstein, but I knew it was going to be on your list. And like, yeah. at the at, in the interest of discussion points, I won't I won't bring it up as well. But <laughs> which, which is good because then we'd have even more crossover. <laughs> Madeline Kahn, yeah, as the like showgirl for the town, mm-hmm. amazing. I'm so tired is a great song. Yeah, probably one of Mel Brooks's best. I'm trying to think of another one that's better. Maybe the Inquisition song. Inquisition song is pretty great. Some of the Men in Tights stuff is pretty amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, we're Men in Tights. Like, the, the title song is pretty great. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm So Tired is quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the plan. How the plan works. <laughs> the ending. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Because there's Dom DeLuise on a different sound studio. Which doesn't really spoil anything. No. But that's what happens. Yeah. Sure. Why not? In the weird Busby Berkeley kind of musical thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's just... And it's so typical of Mel Gibson to just kind of like throw everything out out the window and just pe- kind of be like Mel Brooks you said Mel Gibson right thank you uh, that's a way different western yeah that one's three and a half hours long and stars <laughs> Mel Gibson uh, yeah as the black sheriff ooh <laughs> eh, he'd probably think he could do it um and I like how many references have come from that movie yeah like he they self-reference, he self-references it in uh, uh, Men in Tights. Yep. Um, there's a uh, an ep- a part of, um, there's something about Mary where Matt Dillon's character talks about Mongo, yep. the, the guy that they put on the clothesline, and like, that's totally a... a, a well, yeah, because he's a pawn in the game of life. <laughs> exactly. Beans and black coffee. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Terrible it's, idea. Terrible idea. <laughs> Terrible idea. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so, like, it's funny and... It gets better the more westerns you watch, too. Yeah. I've never seen a Randolph Scott western, but I recorded one, like, today. The okay. day we're recording it, so I will finally see a Randolph Scott nice. reference. Okay. Finally. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is it, it satirizes westerns so, so well. I just remember that the entire town's name is Johnson. <laughs> And they keep doing that Blood of Beasts thing where they stand up and tell say each other's names. Howard Johnson's right. And Howard Johnson, of course, one of the characters' names is Howard Johnson. Yeah. Oh my god. That's another one. Like I'm 
I'm looking at this list and I'm going, there's a lot on here. Like I've seen Slapshot and Patton recently, but like Young Frankenstein, Towering Inferno, Blazing Saddles, these are movies I haven't seen in a long time, and I really, really should rewatch them. Might be time. Yeah, and I own all of them. Uh, maybe not Young Frankenstein, but I own Towering Inferno and Blazing Saddles. I'm like, mm. I think Young Frankenstein's on Netflix. I think it is. I so, think you're right. Yeah, it's watchable. Sean's right. Yeah, Sean Johnson's right. <laughs> Sean Johnson. I went to school with a guy named Sean Johnson. Wow. He only spelled his name with a W instead of a U. But yeah, eh, whatever. No accounting for taste. Um, I guess that's his parents' fault, not his. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with Blazing Saddles? <laughs> no, I feel like you wrapped it up really well there. <laughs> uh, my number six. I think we've talked about it before. Uh, it's the Deer Hunter. Okay. One of one of the not the but one of the quintessential Vietnam movies, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's a, kind of a three part. So you've got the the beginning part where it's them prepping, like it's the wedding and them going hunting and kind of the you know the pre war. Yeah, in rural Pennsylvania. In rural Pennsylvania, yeah, because yeah. it's a it's a steel town, yeah. and yeah, and then the the second act, for lack of a better word, is the is the war itself and just what it does, and you have, I mean, that's the. One of the iconic Russian roulette scenes, and the Diddy Mao, and yep, and which the Simpsons have done, the Simpsons have which done, and you see in tons of stuff. Yeah, and then the third act is is Robert De Niro's character getting home and trying to re reacclimate himself to the the life post war, and then going back to Vietnam to find Christopher Walken, and then like it's just it's. Well, it's not just uh, De Niro's character coming back; it's it's their other friend, the one who got married, and you know he's. In the in the the veteran hospital and like yeah. it's just it's it's a really really phenomenal movie and, and everyone forgets that Meryl Streep is in it and yeah she's awesome in she it she is so good in it yeah and like it's just it's super young Meryl Streep yeah yeah and everybody like yeah it's Christopher Walken Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep and um. Oh, there's there's a few other guys, and I like I've seen them on other things, but I can't yeah. remember what what I've seen them in, and they're just they're so good. Oh, the guy from The Godfather, he plays the the brother. I knew it was you. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Okay. You anyway, you broke my heart. I can't remember his name. The kind of the the loser brother, the one who anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's in it. And he kind of plays a loser in this movie, too. Like, he's the friend that they all pick on, and... Okay, so it's Robert De Niro. Yeah. John Cazale. I think that's who I'm talking about. John Savage. Okay. Christopher Walken, Meryl mm-hmm. Streep. Uh, George Zunza. Okay. Uh, the rest after that, like, Amy Wright. Right, yeah. But, I yeah. mean, beyond that, I don't... But, like... But, yeah, John Cazale is, is who you're thinking of. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's... It's a really hard movie to watch, but it's a really... It and is. it's also another marathon movie. I think it's three hours and... Close, yeah. Like, it's two ni- two two fifty or something. But, but what's nice about that one, and Patton, too, to be fair, is that they do move in acts. Mm-hmm. But the Deer Hunter moves in way different acts. Like, you get very different movies from Absolutely. act to act to yeah. act. The first hour, the second hour, the third hour, all very, very different movies. So that makes it a little bit easier, but mm-hmm. not... It's still... Yeah, a three hours long. It's not one of those movies you want to start watching at midnight. No, because all of a sudden three in the morning rolls around and you hate your life and you're exhausted. Yeah. So it's 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 a tough one, but it's totally worth checking. Then you go out. into work and you're like, ugh, watch Deer Hunter. <laughs> you have your tie tied around your head and it's just all <laughs> awkward. And there's that whole Simpsons reference and oh, we're like the guys from the Deer Hunter. Oh yeah, 
That reminds me. <laughs> okay, guys, we got to shut it down for a while. <laughs> okay, that was the first half of our list. Mm-hmm. So then the second half of our list will be brought to you by Hydrovented Biochemicals Incorporated. Hydrovented Biochemicals provide amalgamated business solutions for the future happiness of mankind. Their latest development, Recessilated Pork-Like Meatworks, provides meat-like textures to your latest chemical compounds. Making a new lotion? Why not have it feel like fluid bacon? That's Hydrovented Biochemicals Incorporated. We put the friend into biochemical friend solutions. And we're back. And I guess I'm turning it right back over to Sean because he decided to go first this time. For but, good reason. For good reason. But anyway. Number five. Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail. I also saw that one on my list. I was like, nope, Sean will definitely have that one. So yep. It's the best Python movie. It's an amazing movie. It's the best Python movie. It's, it's King Arthur's legend, but done in sketch comedy style. Like, It's... it's what else is there it's to say history, about it? It's comedy, it's sketchcom, it's Monty Python. It, it, everything about it screams something that you would love. Yep. I. It's, it's... What else is, like, I don't know what else to say about this. It's been quoted in everything. I was going to say, like, the amount of quotes that have come from that, ridiculous. There are a hundred different references and different things that aren't quotes, like visual quotes. Mm-hmm. It changed the way that comedy movies were made for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an excellent example of low-budget success. Sure. Because it did not have a massive budget. That's why they didn't have horses. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They were meant to have horses. But they didn't have the money, so they did coconuts. And that coconut gag is one of the funniest things, period. Stop, yeah. period. I was I was at our family cabin last weekend. We just got horses, so I've been spending a lot of time out there. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, like mom and dad, they bought them. They mom and dad retired, and they're like, "We're getting horses," and so they bought two horses. And my aunt and uncle bought two horses, and on Saturday we're getting two. Like we went from zero to having six within eight days. Wow. Yeah. So it's been pretty awesome. So I've been trying to spend <laughs> Smith families horsing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been I've been spending a lot of time out there. Anyway, I was out there, and my brother in law had been shooting his twenty two, just target practice or whatever, sighting it in. Nice. And he had a. a his scope on it and the scope had a plastic covers and they were just like little caps and they were on an elastic and I just sat there like clicking them together and somebody asked what I was doing I said I'm riding my horse and they kind of looked at me like I was an idiot I'm like well you obviously haven't seen Monty Python which is sad which is sad but that's it's such a fun gag and then like then they could do Spamalot you couldn't have done Spamalot had they actually had real horses no because you can't I mean, maybe play-wise, they'd fake it the way that you always fake horses on stage. Sure, fine, but but it was a lot easier to run around with hollowed-out coconuts. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's so good. The Simpsons have quoted it. The Knights Who Say Me. Yeah. Are endlessly quoted. Yeah. Uh, I love Roger the Shrubber. Oh yeah. And there are those who call me Tim. (laughs) He's the sorcerer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Um, French with the insults for the French. The how it ends is still ridiculous and makes you mad, but at the same time is perfect for it. Yeah. Did you not in the last episodes when we did most disappointing endings or when I was a kid that was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, my dad loves the Black Knight. My dad loves oh, yeah. the Black Knight. Um, the rabbit. The rabbit. Yeah. The oh. holy hand grenade of Antioch. 
First thou shalt count to three, no more, no less. Three is the number of the counting, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four thou shalt not count, neither count thou two, excepting that we then proceed to three. Five is way out. Yeah. Once the number three, being the third number, be reached, then lobbest thou the holy hand grenade of Antioch towards thy foe, who, being naughty in my sight, shall snuff it. Nice. Dave can attest to the fact that I looked at him the entire time well I said that. That's, that's well done. Um, and the Beast of Og. Which one's the Beast of Og? It's animated. Oh, And then the yeah. animator suffers a heart attack, and there was much rejoicing. Right. The whole movie is amazing. The troll at the bridge. Yeah, the like, the whole the whole swallow scene. Like everything. Camelot. Camelot. Every. It's just it's so so good. Yeah. And we haven't once mentioned the can- castle anthrax with Galahad wanting a little bit of peril. <laughs> like, I haven't seen this movie in probably a few years, and I'm still quoting it mm-hmm. this effectively. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, it's the grail. It's it's the grail exactly. Uh, my number five is also a comedy. Okay, the jerk. That's higher on my list. Okay, then we'll skip. I wondered if it was going to be. We probably should have screened this before, but. Meh. Then there were some was like, oh, well, the Towering Inferno isn't on there. Maybe the jerk won't be. Okay, well, back to you. No, because that's in my top ten films of all time, the jerk. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, then we'll just get back to you on that. Yeah, but no. We'll just have longer conversations when they come up. Exactly. Whereas right now, my number four is All the President's Men. Nice. Okay. I love that movie. Have I? Is there one on your top ten proper that I haven't seen yet? I don't think so. Uh... No, I think you've yes. seen all of them. Except for that honorable mention. Yeah. Great. Okay. And like if you're not counting the you've seen The Exorcist, but yeah. you want to see like But I know it, I know it. The Exorcist now, yeah. but I have seen All the President's Men. I just just recently watched that. Oh, perfect. Um I had seen it before I was working at a casino, uh mm. like doing volunteer for a char- like that's how charities in Alberta get their money is yeah. you know, they, they work the every quarter all the money that all the casinos make divvies up to all those all those casino or all those charitable organizations that work them. Yeah. And so I was volunteering one day and I was sitting in the volunteer room and it was on TV and I was like, cool, but I couldn't really pay attention. People were talking, people were playing cards. I yeah. got, kept getting call out to run chips and everything. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll – and so it was on TV recently and I PVR'd it. I was like, okay, and this time it's so well done. Yeah, it really is. The – the Redford Hoffman pairing mm-hmm. didn't happen often, right? But it's so good in this. Like they're perfect as Woodward and Bernstein. They really are. For anyone who hasn't seen it, this is Woodward and Bernstein uncovering the Watergate scandal. And I didn't realize just how green Woodward and Bernstein were. Yeah, and how reticent the, the editors were to let them do this. And like they, but they just, man, they they just sniffed it out and the style of the film it's very cinema verite so you get a real sense like it doesn't feel really Hollywood especially mm-hmm. 70s Hollywood mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like that it does feel like they sat in the newsroom for weeks before they literally went to the Washington Post and just sat really and saw how things worked yeah. and watched them in the newsroom work and how how do you get a copy boy to do this and that yeah. sort of thing and some people thought Dustin Hoffman was a copy boy because of his hair and how small he was yeah like it's just it's all this crazy background stuff that they did. Yeah, that eventually exposed the entire Watergate scandal. Like, yep. man, it is such an important film, I think. Yeah. Like, just to... Because I, I honestly... 
And I mean, obviously, there's some fabrication, and they kind of stretch some things. They but to cover some stuff. It's still a film. Exactly. But Every- I didn't know just how... Like, I didn't know the process that it was to come up with that story. Yeah. Well, and everything was fact-checked mm-hmm. by Woodward. Yeah. <laughs> like, the guy literally was like, we have to make sure that we do this exactly as it happened. Yeah. need to Hollywood a few things, fine, but the facts have to be right. Yeah. And they did that. Which is great. And it's also a movie, like, when was the Watergate stand- scandal? 72? I was going to say 72, yeah. And this movie came out in 1976. So it's fresh off the heels of Watergate. Yes, because it's probably not solved in 72. That's, like, when does... I don't remember when he... When Nixon resigned? Yeah. Oh, I, I want to say... Who is... 76 was when Ford... Lost. Lost. Because the first movie that Jimmy Carter saw in office was All the President's Men. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Okay, so I want to say 70... Four or seventy-five is when Nixon resigned. I think. We can look. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, like, think about that. It's it would be like if if I don't know what a good example of. There's really nothing. It would be like if there's a Brexit movie in 2019. Sure. Like what? <laughs> yeah. August 9th, nineteen seventy-four. Okay. So, uh, yeah, two years after. Two years after it gets resolved, the movie of how it happened comes out. Hollywood does not work like that anymore. <laughs> no. No, I mean, Hollywood waits when... I'm not I'm not trying to bring up old wounds or anything, but like when the day that 9-11 happened, yeah. I went for a run with a buddy of mine, and we were as we were running, he said, how long until you think there's a movie about this? And I gave it five years. And I think I was pretty close. Yeah, United 93 was pretty quick. Greengrass. Yeah, and then, like, uh, what was the um, the one with Robert Pattinson? I can't remember. There's been uh, a few. There's been a few. There's the Nicolas Cage one. Yeah, and then the Tom Hanks one, Dangerously, uh, Unbelievably Close or whatever. Yeah, that's later. But... Yeah, but, but, like, yeah, but there was, yeah, United 93. But I figured it was going to be around five years, and it yep. was just like... And that seemed pretty early. Like, that, especially in the wake of such a tragedy. Yeah. But, I mean, when did... So, I would say the closest thing to that... Um, to all the president's men? Yeah, like, yeah. turnaround time would be... Because, I, I was going to say Obama. Bin Laden was killed May 1st, 2011. Right. And Zero Dark Thirty came out, what, two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So, that was a three-year turnaround? Yeah. Which is pretty quick. That's true. But, like, yeah. but that was also one of those, like, I think the sooner that they could put that movie out, because this, the difference is that one is very pro USA. Right. Whereas this one was very much a big scandal and doesn't, you know, does not. Here's, look. but here's how it happened and here's the good people who did exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Because I believe, like, Redford bought the rights to Woodward's book. Oh, really? For 450 grand, which is what, like, two point something million dollars now yeah but yeah so like he bought the rights to that then the studio's like okay well you have to play woodward Mm -hmm. and he's like well i don't want the film to be unbalanced so he saw dustin hoffman at something it was like a sports game i think He was just like do you want to play uh bernstein hoffman's yeah all right whatever fine and then (laughs) and then this movie comes out yeah and it wins all the oscars because it was phenomenal yeah it's so good yeah, and I'm like, it's one of those ones because I've recently watched it. It's fresh in my mind. I'm like, yes, this is one I can talk about. 
perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, and I mean, there's, uh, in Days and Confused, there's one point where one of the characters says to, like, the two nerdy, Anthony Rapp and Adam Goldman, Mike and Tony, I think, and he's like, Woodward, Bernstein, and, like, then I, I, I didn't really get it. I knew who they were. Right. But then I saw them compared to, like, Hoffman and Redford's characters, like, dang. <laughs> I get it. That's a good joke. Yeah. 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 And then the, then Adam Goldberg says something along, well, I guess that makes you deep throat. I'm like, ha ha! Classic. Like, it's just, I'm sure that was more of a reference to the actual event and less yeah. to the movie, but oh, still. Yeah, definitely. Because it would have been 76 that Days and Confused was happening, or 70, yeah, I think 76. It was like, so that would have been. It'd be a bit of a push. A bit of a push, but referencing those guys themselves, I'm like, yeah. I like it. Very nicely done. Nice. Yeah. yeah. My number four. The Outlaw Josie Wales. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite westerns. Um, it's been on recently a few different times on on TV, and I absolutely adore this movie. Partially because I like Clint Eastwood westerns, but also because this one has kind of a, a mix of, like, it's got a lot of great typical western movie things to it. Right. But it also has some comedy. Okay. Yeah. Um, like the the old Indian guy who kind of teams up with with Josie Wales and travels. Like he's so funny to me, and like he's just got a couple little one one liners here and there, and just like, yeah. It is a lot lighter in tone. It than is most of Eastwood's westerns. Then like Unforgiven, which is twenty years later, but like almost yeah, it's like fourteen years later, whatever. But nah. either way, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, it's it's still got that that like there's still a lot of carnage and blood and yeah. some great shootouts and everything and like there's one part where where Eastwood kind of comes back and saves everybody from being attacked by this you know this gang of other cowboys and you know he just fires on all of them and like it, it's the shootout scenes are really cool but it is in the moments where they're not firing there is there are some really nice lighthearted moments and it's it's quite a fun movie. Um, yeah, and it's so it's just it's one of those ones my dad suggested I watched it years ago and I was like, Okay, fine. And I checked it out, I was like, Yep, I like this movie. Cool. Mm-hmm. I have seen it once or twice, but not for probably a decade. Sure. So, so it's, it's just not... like I vaguely remember what you're talking about and I'm just like, Yeah, I remember the like the Native American guy being awesome. I've, yeah. But there's a bunch of stuff I'm just like, uh, I kinda remember, but not really. It's one I know. When my cousins were growing up, my uncle said that they should watch The Outlaw Josie Wales, and they didn't because they thought it was about a girl. Like, they had no idea that it was about, like, it was Clint Eastwood playing Josie Wales. Or like, well, I don't want to okay. watch. Yeah. But, I mean, that was 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and so they just, they refused to watch it. And then, I think, like, within the last decade or so, my cousin's like, we always thought that was about a woman. Oh, that sounds way better. <laughs> Not that there's anything, but I mean, as a five-year-old or an eight-year-old, when in the in the eighties, when you want, you know, you know, you're growing up on Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters, and like you, want, you don't want to watch a cowgirl. Exactly, you want to watch it. a cowboy. So now it's like, oh, whatever. But at the time, they were just like, we don't want to watch that. It's about a girl. All right. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were <laughs> made. Exactly. Uh, okay, getting down there. Yeah. Number three, we can talk about the jerk now. Oh. <laughs> So happy. So it's about Steve Martin growing up as a poor black boy in the South. <laughs> that opening scene isn't... Well, I guess it's because you see him talk to the camera first. And yeah, because when he's a homeless guy with his thermos. Yeah, but he's like, 
you know, I grew up in, I think, Alabama or Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. And you see him and there's this family of like 10 black people just sitting on the porch jamming out and, and you see him like. <laughs> yeah. He has no rhythm and he's trying and it's to. it's amazing blues musicians. It's, it's like Sonny Terry and real blues musicians that he so got to good. do it. And yeah. it's just because Steve Martin's amazing and yeah. Rob Reiner's amazing. Yeah, so it's Steve Martin who grew up in a town of poor black folk, and then... Well, he was a poor black child. He was a poor black he, child, yeah. his family is African-American, yeah. and he's growing up there, and he's yeah. one of the kids, and yeah. because they found him on the doorstep. On the doorstep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he grows up, and at one point they said something about his color, and he goes, you mean I'm going to stay this color? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just so tongue-in-cheek. And then, so he decides to go off and make his own fortune, and... So he works at a gas station, and then, which is amazing. Yeah, it's it's great, and then he works at at the circus where he meet, meets his first love. Well, he meets his where he meets his love, his love, and then Bernadette Peters. Yeah, who's also amazing, so good in that show. And then the the super tough motorcycle stunt woman. Yeah, um, she's great. Like that was his first girlfriend, and I guess Bernadette Peters was his first was his love, well, the love of his life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he goes off from there. Like it's just this story about how he goes the rise and fall of Steve Martin, Navin Johnson. Yeah. It is one of the funniest movies Ever full made. stop. Yep. I mean, it's it's Steve Martin. It's vintage Steve Martin. And it's his best movie? I think so. I'd say it's his best movie. Like, he did some great stuff in the 80s, like uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And, oh, great and, film. <clears throat> um, like, yeah, he did some great stuff, but there's nothing I like better than The Jerk. No. It, there's just... All while we're talking, all that's happening is the one-liners are running through my head. I know. Constantly. And I'm yeah. just like... They don't make any sense if people haven't seen The Jerk, but Dave would get them. And we don't want to ruin it because, it's one, again, it's one of those movies that's not often on TV. And no. so it's it's maybe harder to track down. But damn. It's so good. It's so good. Rent it or own it or buy it or buy it on iTunes or something. However this works. It's just... Uh. Anybody sitting out there who has seen it is going, yes. Yes, I'm so glad this movie was on there. Yeah. It was on both of our lists for a reason. It has to be. Oh, definitely. I'd be remiss if it wasn't. And there's some where it's like, I'm pretty sure Sean will have this on his list, but I have to put it on here. I yeah. have to. Well, and that's the way I felt about the ones that have that we've doubled up on yeah. where I've had to skip. Yeah. It's just, yeah, they have to be on lists for the 70s yeah. just because. Exactly. Uh, anything, any last thoughts on The Jerk? Just, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Like we keep saying. Yeah. And stay away from cans. <laughs> I had to say one because it's been hard to speak because all I can do is keep thinking lines. I know. I know. It's a common problem when you come up, especially the funny movies. Like, yeah. The, the serious ones, like the one I'm going to bring up next is, well, it's serious-ish, but like it's, the one the one-liners aren't there. In a movie like The Jerk, that's all it is, is one-liners. Just like. And weird situations. I'm picking out a thermos for you. Like, yeah. Cat juggling. Oh my God. Okay, uh, <laughs> we could sit and talk about the jerk all day. Apparently, uh, my number three is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Okay, vintage Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I don't know if it's his best movie, but it's one of my favorite Nicholson movies. That's fair. Yeah, um, we both love The Shining so much that it's hard to be like, uh, yeah, is Jack better in The Shining or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? And it might be like I'd say it's probably fairly even. Yeah, but. I remember the first time I saw this movie, and I just, I fell in love with it. That's fair. Um, and I mean, there's Simpsons references 
the Simpsons reference this as well. The oh. one where <laughs> Homer goes crazy, or they think that Homer's crazy, and they send him to the asylum. And, yep. like that's basically a chance for them to spoof One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yep. Um, and a little bit of Awakenings, too. And a little bit of Awakenings, yeah. 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 And this is the chief. He never talks. Hi, chief. Hello. Well, it's about time somebody reached out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Nurse Ratchet. Oh, She's yeah. tremendous. And, um, I mean, Dustin... And also in... Sorry to cut you sorry. off, but also in Futurama... Nurse Ratchet, when Fry goes to the robot insane asylum, yeah. she actually has a ratchet. Yeah. Um, Danny DeVito's in it. He's really young in it. Christopher Lloyd is really young in this movie. Although he doesn't really look super young. No. Like, like you look at Danny DeVito in it, and he like he's a lot younger in, in that than he is in, like, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Christopher Lloyd? <laughs> it's still Christopher Lloyd. Exactly. I don't know if he ever looked different. It's like Steve <laughs> Martin. Steve Martin always looked like Steve Martin. Exactly. Yeah. They just like, they, there's some guys who like, they turn 20 and that's how they look for the rest of their lives. Yep. Um, Samuel L. Jackson is kind of the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Brad Dourif. He's, I think that's his name. He's the guy who plays Billy Bott. The, the young kid, like the, oh, the yeah. stuttering kid. Yeah. Uh, he goes on, like, he's a, he plays the doctor slash veterinarian in uh, Deadwood, and then he plays Wormtongue yep. in uh, The Lord of the Rings. And, like, he's one of those guys where I, he's so young in that movie that I didn't recognize him. Like, where else have I seen that guy? And I went to go look him up. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my, oh, my God. He's so good in that movie. But Nicholson is just so good and yeah. he won the Oscar for this I think I'm pretty sure he was definitely he nominated I think he won yeah anyway I'd have and, to look it and up and deservedly but... so like it's just it's about his character who goes to uh, an insane asylum and it's mostly because he kind of wants to like he's not crazy but he's pretending to be so that way like it's better than jail well, he's fighting the system mm-hmm. like he's trying to fight the system and this is the only way he knows how but when he's in the asylum it's still a system yeah. so he starts to revolt against that but that has dramatic consequences yeah it's just it's it's so good and I've yeah. seen this movie a ton of times and every time I see it it just it kind of pulls on the heartstrings a little bit more and it just man it it's a, the ending is sad, but it's also really kind of glorious. It really is, yeah, yeah. For reasons, exactly. Like how <laughs> for do you... reasons? Also spoofed on The Simpsons. Yeah, forgot like... my hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a it's a really phenomenal movie. It was oh, really good. well done. The book is good. I was really disappointed. I missed the stage production at Theater Calgary a few years ago. Oh yeah, I would have really enjoyed seeing that, but it just it. I would have had, I probably would have had problems, like I never went to see it, because I'd have to try and separate Jack Nicholson out of the lead. Well, and that's... Just like, uh, how do I move past the iconic... And that's why, like, I had trouble reading the book. I really enjoyed it, but I had trouble reading it because I couldn't, I couldn't not picture Nicholson's character. Right. And they were talking about this character, he has red hair and he's very Irish in this movie... And, or in, in, the in the book, book yeah. and, and I was just like but it's not at all like that and all I can picture is Nicholson's character and he was so good in it that I can't I couldn't separate them I wish I mean the book was out long before I was even born but yeah. obviously I mean the, the movie came out in 75 so the movie came out 8 years before, before I was born. born Yeah, so the book would have come out before that but like 
I almost wish I would have read the book first so that way I could have read it and enjoyed it and then seen uh, Nicholson's adaptation of it. Yeah. But, I mean, such is the way it, it goes. And I, I really do dig the movie. It's one of those ones where I feel like the movie did a very good job of translating yeah, from the book. It did. And I appreciate that. No, that's fair. Mm-hmm. My number two, Jaws. Yeah. Uh, I thought it would be on there. I love Jaws. Really, <laughs> I really good. love Jaws. It's about a big old shark attacking a place. Yeah, that Done. pretty much sums it up. I mean, <laughs> it's the first ever blockbuster. It's Spielberg. It's Richard Dreyfus. It's yep, Roy Scheider, um, Robert Shaw. Yep, like it's the the everybody knows the line. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah, which was improvised. Yeah, it was, which is amazing. What can you say about Jaws? Everybody knows this movie. Yeah, pretty much. Even if you've never seen it, you know the you know the the music. You know yep, the what it is. Theme. You've heard of it. Like it's been spoofed. It's been like there's four sequels. There's four sequels. Michael Caine bought his house in Hawaii from the third one. Revenge. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just it's it's massive. It yep. was a massive movie, and it made people scared to go in the water. Yeah. Forever. Yes. Exactly. And all based on Bruce. Bruce, who just never worked. Bruce was... Bruce is awesome. Bruce is the shark, by mm-hmm. the way, if anyone's not as familiar with the behind-the-scenes stuff. But yeah, he's the shark. He kind of worked most of the time, but yeah. because he didn't work as much, you don't see the shark often. Yeah. Which is a brilliant idea, and something that most of the sequels fail at. Right. It's like, here's the crappy-looking shark constantly on screen. Well, that doesn't really work. Whereas Bruce only kind of looks bad twice yeah the rest of the time it's just like man that's creepy absolutely just comes out of the water great looked like a shark therein lies the beauty is things are scarier when you can't see them yeah when you don't know where they are like that's that's the beauty about horror is the unknown yeah exactly yeah i love that its name is bruce because it makes the joke in finding nemo doubly funny because it's there's three sharks named bruce so it's both a reference to Jaws and also a reference to Monty Python. Yeah, it is. I love that so much. <laughs> and I didn't, like, I knew that the shark's name was Bruce in Jaws, so I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But then I forgot about the Monty Python sketch where they oh, play the Australians. Of the Australian University Council. Yeah. yeah. And so then when I when I saw that sketch again, because I, I think I'd seen it years ago, and then oh, I saw probably. Finding Nemo, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then I saw that sketch, I was like, holy crap. Yeah. That makes me so happy. It was a very good joke. Yeah. Um, did I tell you I played I, I did a show where there was a uh Australian musical director whose name was Bruce? No. That made me so happy. I walked in one day and he's like, Hi, I'm Bruce and I was like mm-hmm. Did he did he know the I I'm sure he does. I'm sure he hates I'm it. Sure, yeah. But like I found that out, I was like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my god. It's so of perfect. Your name is Bruce. It made me so happy. Anyway, You're named after the shark in Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he would have been like he's probably about the age where he probably would have been born right around the time of that Monty Python sketch. Like, oh, oh your parents yeah. are assholes. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, I don't know that there's anything else to say. It, it invented the blockbuster. Exactly. That's why we have huge summer movies, for better or worse. Sure. So. And I I get the reasoning behind it. Yeah. I get why we still have them. I get why Marvel movies come out in the summer. Yep. Makes sense to me. Jaws. Yeah. Thank you, Jaws. In the last episodes, we have a whole blockbuster 
yep. conversation. Which we can do again. We someone could, wants. If somebody really wants it. Uh, my number two is The Godfather. Yep. Uh, thank you for putting it off that long. Yeah. That's um, fine. It's my number seven, in case people have forgotten in the last 40 <laughs> minutes. Yowza. It's The Godfather. It's The Godfather. I also tied in part two. Okay. Which is why I asked that. Because sure. Because they both, they came out like two years apart. And it's really a continuation of the saga. Sure. But the first one I do enjoy more than the second one. Well, I've I've seen the first one significantly more than I've seen the second one, Fair. so I'm much more familiar with that. Yeah. I mean, so many of these movies, that's basically all we can say is it's The Godfather, it's Jaws, like, it's the, the penultimate mob movie. There are so many of those movies in the 70s where it's just like, this is the movie that everyone knows, that everyone references, that's been spoofed a hundred times. Yeah. They're all from this decade. Absolutely. It was... A- a phenomenal decade for film. And yeah. The Godfather, I mean, so many people put The Godfather as their favorite movie of all time. And yeah. understandably so. I Like, it's number two on my list of the 70s. But I don't begrudge anybody who says it's their favorite movie because no. it is so good. It'll make my top 100. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it will. Yeah. It's I, just, it's tremendous. Yeah. Um, I mean, Pacino is so young in it. And still really good because yeah. he keeps all of that energy inside and you see it like leak out and that's I remember my old professor at university talking about the difference between De Niro and Pacino uh-huh. and he said especially in their like the you know the 90s now now they've both kind of gone on to do some well De Niro's kind of a spoof of himself now he's he, playing De Niro in yeah, a lot of things and he gets that and he's yeah, just having oh, yeah. fun playing himself exactly. and he's, he's fine with that but like you look at him them in heat Yep. And like the one scene where they're where they're talking and De Niro's playing the thief and Pacino's playing the the cop and like De Niro's got that subdued acting and Pacino's kind of all over at that point and yep. like you know his scent of a woman I loved him in scent of a woman but he's very animated I guess. Yep. In this one he's still very internalized and yeah he's he's so good. And I mean Robert Duvall and James Caan, Brando. Brando. <laughs> yeah and um Diane Keaton? Keaton? Is she in that? Who yeah. plays? Yeah, she plays his, his girlfriend, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All these, like, that time period, I was like, oh, who is it? Because I, I was like, okay, Michelle Fiverr's in Scarface, so yeah. I, I just try and keep them all. A very different movie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, who acted, who was Pacino's love interest in this movie? Who was Pacino's love interest? Anyway, yeah, yeah like, it's, it's, I mean, that... I don't want to talk about it, but the scene at the toll booth. Oh yeah, yeah. And like the the, the scene in the, Itali- the montage. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. And then yeah, the restaurant. The, the restaurant is one of the most iconic scenes yeah. ever, I think, and at least in mob movies. Like it's just. <sighs> well, and they reuse it in so many different things because yeah. you're going to a meeting. Yeah. How many times have we seen Fat Tony do that in The Simpsons? Mm-hmm. Like, oh boy, I've dropped my fork. And then everyone else like legs and. What's the other guy's name? There's Johnny Vinny Tylips. Legs. Vinny, thank yeah, you. Yeah. They also knock their forks off. It's like, whoops, we have also <laughs> dropped our forks and they go down under the tape. Like, it's just... Johnny Tylips. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Tylips, where'd they shoot you? I ain't saying nothing. what I tell the doctor? Tell him to suck an egg. <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, Johnny Tylips. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, The Godfather, it's just... It's a... It's a slow burn. It is. Which I think there's some modern audiences have trouble with. Yeah, like, guys, people who grew up with Casino and Goodfellas, where it's instant violence and instant, like, instant gratification, I guess. Yeah. 
versus The Godfather, which is a slow build. It unfolds. Yeah. Which but, is really great, but it is a lot slower of a burn. You have to sit through it and appreciate it and just let that happen. Yeah, and accept that like 15, 20 minutes in the middle where they suddenly just speak Italian in small rooms for a sure. while. yeah. And that's all that happens. You're like, but what was, what? But it's kind of the beauty of those movies is yeah. it's, I think it's a little bit more methodical and I think that's how the mob typically is, is yeah. a little bit more methodical and they don't just go like, Joe Pesci is great in both Goodfellas and Casino. Yeah. And I know that, I think they're both based on true stories. They are. So these characters like Nicky Santoro was kind of a loose cannon, but not all these guys were like that. And especially kind of the heads of the families are like, okay, we don't want to step on any toes unless we absolutely have to. Yeah. So let's talk this out. Let's plan this out. And then at some point it's like, we got to kill a mother. Yeah. Like that's just the way it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I need to, I need to rewatch those now too. Except three. Yeah. You can probably skip three. So my number one. (laughs) Alien. What? <laughs> I was actually going to say Dawn of the Dead just to see what happens, but it's Alien. It's always been Alien. Alien's yeah. my favorite movie of all time. It's a haunted house in space. Sigourney Weaver's amazing in it. She is Tom so Scarrett's good. awesome in yeah. it. The Alien's great. Zeno's amazing. Yeah. It's and I've seen it. Yep. I I know why it's on your on your list, and I mean I think I'd have to see it a few more times for it to to, to surpass climb. a lot of these. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah. It's a very, very good movie. And it's strangely, like, it's almost Robert Altman-like, because you'll Mm. float through scenes, and you won't hear all the dialogue. There'll Mm -hmm. be a bit of dialogue where you're just swooping in, and they're already saying the lines, but you don't really need to hear them. Yeah. But you kind of do, so you're craning in, and you're like, what, what, that's, what's going on? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's very well done. It's I love movies like that where yeah. video games are kind of like that too now where you kind of come in and you hear this conversation and you hear the part that you really need to once you get up there. Yep. But it's like until then you just hear this muffled and it's like what is what is happening? Yeah, see if I can catch up to this. Yeah. It's uh, it's a very, very well done movie. I love Alien. And I'm so, so. shocked that it's your number yeah. one. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Someday maybe something will pass it. Yeah, like, I watch enough movies that someday totally. something might knock that off its perch. But... But you, I've seen 3,040 films, and it is still number one. <laughs> it's the same with me and Shawshank. Like, yeah. there have been movies that have come close. Yeah. But I just... Nothing has that sentimental attachment and that rewatchability and that that allure that Shawshank has for me. Yeah. And I know and why... And nothing has that feeling that Alien has for yeah. me. And I love the xenomorph. I'm playing... Alien Isolation on PS4 right now. Uh, did you ever get into that room? I did get into that room. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about that once we stop recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm past that now. Okay, great. I've been eaten a number of times, and like, every once in a while, Anna will be watching me play, and she'll jump whenever, like, sometimes there's jump scares in it. Sure. It's a horror game. Yeah. And she'll jump with the xenomorph. I never do, because I'm excited to see him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he looks great in the game. <laughs> Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, well, as soon as you see it, you're dead. Yeah. Because there's nothing you can do to fight an alien, which is another reason why, as a monster, it's my favorite. Because mm. you can't stop it. Yeah. There's you can. There's a couple ways you can try. Mm-hmm. There's one way that works in Alien, as you've seen. Yeah. But you can't, like, shoot it. Yeah. You can't just get rid of it quickly. So as soon as you see it in the game, it's just like, all right, I'm dead. I'll restart. Man. There he is. Wow. 
That sounds fun. <laughs> so. Cool. Alien, one. Right on. Uh, my number one is one of my top movies of all time as well. Yep. Uh, my number eight. Your number eight. It is probably, I think, I would say my number three movie of all time. Cool. And it's The Sting. Hey. Uh, again, Paul Newman. Yep. I have three Redford. Paul Newman. And Redford. Exactly. I have three Paul Newman movies in my top ten movies from the 70s. I love the guy, but I love The Sting. Yeah. Um, Grifters from the 20s, 30s. Ye- Twenties? I think it's the twenties. It doesn't really matter, but it's like grifters. grifters. Yeah. Um, Robert Redford plays a small-time grifter, and I'm going to kind of go into this one because not as many people know this thing. I don't think. Anyway, and we also don't talk about it every three weeks. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, and Sean's going to look up the decade that it's set in. So Robert Redford plays a small-time grifter in Joliet, Illinois, and in 1936. Really? Okay. Yep. Um, Unless I accidentally went to The Sting 2. An ooh. amazing failure of a sequel. <laughs> no, it's it's 1936. Okay. Um, and his partner, spoiler I guess for the first 20 minutes of the movie, gets killed because they rip off somebody in the mob. Yep. And uh, so he runs off to Chicago where he meets Henry Gondorf, played by Paul Newman, who basically teaches them the long con. And they go after the guy who is leading the organization that killed... Rupert, Rupert, Rufus, one of those, one of those names. Anyway, um, <laughs> name Luther, Luther, played, killed Luther. I was close with Rupert and <laughs> Rufus. Um, and Robert Shaw plays the the mob guy. Yeah. So I guess he's not. It's not Italian mob. It's an Irish. It's mob, Irish mob. But yeah, it doesn't matter. He's a gangster. And so they they play this guy in the long con, and it is just it is so well done. The music, the score is brilliant. The entertainer is one of the best songs ever on the piano. Yeah, um, it is. Redford and, and Newman. I mean, this is the second movie that they did together. And spoilers to my to our list from the '60s, but that will also be on there. Yeah. Um, but it's, directed by the same guy. Exactly, and it's just it's so so good. I love this movie. <clears throat> it's twisty. Like there's a surprise to the ending where yeah. you're just like, oh, hey, that is good. Yeah, exactly. This is the only my my uncle. Says this, <clears throat> this is the only movie he's ever paid to see twice in the theater. Wow. Yeah. That's how good this movie is. Cool. Because my uncle's not the sort who would spend money on the same movie. Right. But this one he loved so much that he's like, yep, I'd go, I'd go check this one. I would love to see this one on the big screen. I'm and sure. it was back in studio days. Like, it was, like, a lot of it was done in on sound stages and everything like that. And oh, yeah. The, the sound stages are just so well crafted. And the set the lighting designer in me and the painter just I would love to work on that on this <laughs> because it would be so fun to paint this stuff and, and do it but like everything about this movie is phenomenal yeah um yeah so that's easily 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 like when we when we set out to do this one this week I was like okay there's gonna be some tricky ones on here but I knew without question it's like as long as the sting is the 70s yeah. I couldn't remember if it was late 60s or early 70s oh like, okay no so yeah, I was like, this is... Fun fact, The Sting and The Exorcist came out on the exact same day. Really? Yeah. Wow, those are two That's a polar he- opposite movies. Hell of a day. <laughs> no doubt. Like, is December 26th or something like that? 73? Yeah. Wow. They were, those were the Christmas movies of the year. Exorcist and Sting. I've never understood the concept of horror movies coming out at Christmas. Meh. I don't begrudge it it's just like weird well to be fair the exorcist like i said before took
took a lot longer to make than they thought. Sure. So it's just like, <laughs> let's get this out. <laughs> That's fair. Better Christmas than Valentine's Day, I guess. Yeah, well, it is also kind of around Christmas, The Exorcist. That's fair. And it is very Catholic, so... Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. Finally. It's a longer (laughs) one, even though we had a lot of crossover. Yeah. Look for us on Twitter to have a chat or to throw us a topic for future podcasts. Dave can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. I can be found at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. And we are at Guys From Podcast. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe, share, and rate the podcast on iTunes. Or, you know what? Tell a friend and get them to tell a friend and just kind of spread it that way. If you like it, tell somebody. Anyway, uh, we are also available on basically anywhere podcasts can be found. Or check us out on Stitcher, the innovative on-demand podcast app. If you're looking for our articles or some of our back episodes of the podcast, you can find them at our website, www.theguysfrom.com. Hey Dave, is there anything you wanted to plug? Stage West Calgary is opening their show, Legends of Rock and Roll, the day this podcast comes out. Performances of artists such as Elvis, Tom Jones, Buddy Holly, and Neil Diamond. Apparently, the performances are quite good, and I have a lot of friends who worked on it, so you guys should check it out. Sean? Cool. We are doing the aforementioned Top 100 Simpsons Episodes of All Time list on theguysfrom.com, so check that out, as well as our regular music features, which will still be there every Tuesday and Thursday, and it sounds like Dave might be doing his first throwback soon. Head to iHorror.com for all of your horror news, interview, and review needs, and just to give you a little bit of perspective (laughs) into... The number of films from the 70s that didn't make my list, but have ratings similar to those that did from me. So these are films that I considered, because they're probably as good in some cases, are as follows. Tora, Tora, Tora. Uh-huh. Little Big Man. Okay. MASH. Yeah. A Clockwork Orange. Absolutely. Deliverance. Yep. Sleuth. Okay. Live and Let Die. Okay. Serpico. Okay. Papillon. Yep. Badlands. Okay. Chinatown. Yep. The Conversation, okay. Dog Day Afternoon, yeah. Taxi Driver, yeah. Murder by Death, okay. Marathon Man, okay. Assault on Precinct 13, uh-huh. Network, okay. Bound for Glory, okay. Annie Hall, mm-hmm. Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, sure, yeah. Smokey and the Bandit, which okay. I always loved. That's a guilty pleasure, I know, but it is an amazing film. Uh, that crazy Japanese horror movie I talk about all the time, House. Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now, obviously. which neither of us mentioned, somehow. It was close to mine. Mine too, obviously. Yeah. Life of Brian, and all that jazz. I've seen about half of those. Yeah. And all of them were very close. To, like, every one of those ones that I've seen, I was like, they've been rated 8 or 9 on my on my list. Yeah. So, uh, the 70s. Great film decade. Watch some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Special thanks to The Sweets for our terrific opening music. Check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. Also, special thanks to Sean's mom, who seems to like every article we post on Facebook. She really does uh, seem like our number one fan. So, thanks, Sean's mom. Woo! This has been episode 123. One, two, three! (laughs) Of the Guys From Podcast. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Taking us out this week is those aforementioned sweets with their song Prairie Blues. Remember, if you have an original song that you would like us to feature at the end of our podcast, send us an mp3 or the link to your SoundCloud along with any information about your band that you would like us to pass along. We're big fans of the indie community and we want to lend our support however we possibly can. Our email address is guysfrompodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing. It doesn't pay well.
Kill. 